Chapter Two of the World's Lumber Room by Selina Gay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: Dustmakers, Frost, Heat, Air, and Water. The first of nature's dustmakers, whose manner of working we are going to consider, is frost. If a hollow ball of cast iron be filled with water carefully plugged and then exposed to a temperature low enough to freeze the water what will be the result the water as it congeals into ice will require one fifteenth more space than it did before and in the effort to obtain it will exert so much force as either to split the iron or drive out the plug bombs measuring more than thirteen inches in diameter have been thus burst in two while in one experiment an iron plug weighing more than three pounds was hurled to a distance of three hundred and twenty-eight feet of course if the iron expanded also and in an equal degree there would be room enough for the ice but like most other bodies iron shrinks under the influence of cold so that there is actually less space instead of more we all know what frost can do in the way of cracking a glass in which water has been left or worse still in bursting our water pipes though some people seem to imagine that these latter are burst by the thaw and not by the frost like the iron ball they are however cracked by the pressure of the ice although we of course are not made aware of the fact until the ice melts again if empty when the frost sets in they do not suffer but though we may grumble at the plumber's bill or perhaps at somebody's carelessness we should be in a yet worse plight if water did not expand on becoming ice for in that case the greater part of europe would probably be uninhabitable and all the fishes in lakes and rivers would die the water at the surface as it grew cooler and therefore heavier would sink to the bottom while the warmer lighter water from beneath would take its place and be cooled in its turn and again sink and this exchange would go on until the whole mass of water was congealed into solid ice which the summer heat would be powerless to melt as it is however no sooner has the whole of the water in a pond been cooled down to four degrees centigrade thirty nine and a fifth degrees fahrenheit than this vertical movement ceases and although the water on the surface may continue to lose heat instead of shrinking together and so becoming heavier as it has done up to this point it now does precisely the reverse below four degrees centigrade it expands becomes consequently lighter remains on the surface and is frozen into a crust of ice but how does all this affect the rocks for they are our present concern all rocks are more or less jointed because all have undergone drying or cooling and have shrunk somewhat in the process and while some like basalt show regular lines of division others such as chalk clay gravel and even sand show certain irregular lines along which water of course makes its way more readily than in any other direction but besides admitting water into these cracks most rocks also absorb more or less according to their texture and composition one coarse kind of granite for instance has been found to suck up as much as four pounds of water to the cubic foot in the course of eighty-eight hours when kept entirely submerged 
and although rocks are seldom so severely tried as this in nature they must take up a certain amount of water in one way or the other and when this remains sufficiently near the surface to be frozen every single drop of it expands with such force as to splinter the surface and widen the cracks within thus affording easier entrance to the rain on the next shower the cliffs along the hudson river are piled up to more than half their own height with the immense heaps of fragments which have been detached in this way the winters in the state of new york being so severe that the frost penetrates to a great depth below the surface high up among the mountains this work of destruction goes on not in the winter only but almost daily throughout the year the scorching heat of noon which melts the ice and snow withers the grass and blisters the face being often followed by sharp frost at night and the result of these extreme and constantly repeated changes is not only that the mountains are cut and carved into such bold pinnacles as are seen round mont blanc but that many an apparently solid ridge of rock is found on inspection to consist of large angular fragments still in the position they occupied when united but so loosely piled together that a gust of wind might scatter them even in great britain the wreckage produced simply by changes of temperature is enormous the tops of our higher hills being often covered to a great depth with their own ruins while in kamchatka both hills and tablelands are crowded with the great square blocks and slabs which have been forced off by the mighty energy of the frost even the soil is made to feel its power fence posts are sometimes lifted out of their places by the heaving occasioned by the formation of ice in its interstices and the farmer finds that the clods on his heavy land are more effectually broken up for him by a sharp frost than they could be by any human implements but heat also has a share in breaking down the rocks and we might burst our iron ball just as effectually by boiling as by freezing the water contained in it between naught degrees centigrade thirty two degrees fahrenheit and four degrees centigrade thirty nine and a fifth degrees fahrenheit water as we have seen expands when cooled and contracts when heated but above and below these temperatures it follows the usual law and like any other body whether solid liquid or gas the more it is heated the more room it wants one cubic inch of water being enough to produce one thousand seven hundred and twenty eight cubic inches of steam all bodies do not expand in the same proportion however and while most metals remain solid i e frozen even under the fierce sun of the equator quicksilver is never anything but liquid even during intense frost and expands so rapidly under the influence of heat that thermometers sometimes burst from simple exposure to a hot sun iron though remaining solid expands perceptibly and the difference in length of the four hundred miles of rails laid down on the line between london and edinburgh is three hundred and thirty-eight yards according as they are measured in the winter or in the summer it is for this reason that a space is always left between each length of rail for if it had not room to stretch it would bend upwards or outwards with disastrous results 
it is perhaps not easy to realize the amount of force exerted by a piece of metal in the act of expansion but it certainly cannot be ignored with impunity as the builders of an iron footbridge in london have had to learn to their cost they had covered the iron with concrete and this again with pavement forgetting that although these too would expand in their degree the metal would want to expand still more and the consequence was that when the summer came both were split by the force with which the iron swelled upwards from this it is evident that rocks composed of two or three different minerals are at a special disadvantage with regard to sudden changes of temperature as one mineral will expand more than its neighbours and push them slightly out of place a mere trifle it may seem and yet when often repeated it will be quite enough to loosen them in a damp climate the mischief is greatly increased by the absorption of moisture and its conversion into particles of ice but in the dry air of the sahara the rocks are splintered into fragments and reduced to powder merely by the alternations of heat and cold and in the peninsula of sinai where the sun has scarcely risen before he begins to peel the skin from one's face though everything may have been covered with hoar-frost during the night the very flints become so rotten as to fall to pieces at a touch from the repeated expansion and contraction they have undergone but another of nature's most active dust-makers is the air which though we breathe it with impunity is yet a deadly enemy to many of the rocks this air is a mixture not a compound consisting chiefly of oxygen and nitrogen in the proportion of about twenty-one parts of the former to seventy-nine of the latter with a very small quantity one two thousand five hundredth of carbonic acid and a varying amount of water gas or aqueous vapour minute quantities of everything capable of assuming the gaseous form are also to be found in the atmosphere but these four together constitute its main bulk the oxygen and nitrogen are simple substances and cannot be split up into anything else whereas each molecule of water-gas is a compound consisting of two atoms of hydrogen and one of oxygen and each molecule of carbonic acid gas consists of two atoms of oxygen and one of carbon now oxygen will combine with every known elementary substance but one and foremost among those by which it is particularly attracted stands iron with which it unites to form oxide of iron or what we commonly call rust not an atom of the iron is lost but the oxygen it has absorbed has changed its colour added to its weight and bulk and made it less compact than before in perfectly dry air a mass of iron will remain untarnished at the ordinary temperature though if reduced to powder it is so vigorously seized upon by the oxygen as to take fire spontaneously and burn away to oxide but natural air is never free from moisture and this fact enables the oxygen to attack both iron and steel wherever it finds them we have only to rub away the rust from a knife to see how the surface has been roughened by the eating away of the steel 
those who have possessed specimens of a mineral popularly known as fool's gold which looks as to colour something like tarnished silver may have been puzzled by finding the cabinet drawer strewn with an ash-like powder which constantly reappeared at intervals of only a few weeks and when at last they have traced it to the fool's gold and found that this was gradually crumbling away perhaps they were hardly less puzzled than before in spite of its name it has nothing to do with gold being in fact a variety of iron pyrites called marcasite which is a compound of iron and sulphur both of which attract oxygen the oxygen first attacks the sulphur with which and the moisture of the air it forms sulphuric acid this in its turn seizes on the iron and as the water evaporates minute needle-like crystals of sulphate of iron are formed some of the pyrites is converted into this salt as it is chemically called and more is broken up by the crystals as they force their way to the surface zinc is able to resist the attacks of oxygen at all ordinary temperatures and it is therefore used in thin sheets as a covering for iron which when thus protected is said to be galvanized as long as the zinc remains entire the iron is quite safe but the smallest hole is sufficient to admit the air and then as the iron rusts the zinc is forced up because as was said just now oxide of iron takes up more space than the iron alone now many rocks contain a quantity of iron and to them of course oxygen is a great enemy the very compact and almost black rock called basalt which forms the columns of the giant's causeway contains much iron and where exposed to the weather its surface is always found covered with soft brown rust which gradually eats deeper into the mass moreover though compact basalt is very absorbent wet patches are sometimes found in the middle of its columns and as all water contains dissolved oxygen wherever water penetrates there brown patches of oxide are formed which crack the rock if they cannot otherwise find enough room footnote it is this dissolved oxygen not that combined with the hydrogen which fishes breathe if you remove the combined oxygen water ceases to be water but you may expel the dissolved oxygen and other gases by boiling and the water merely becomes flat End of footnote. there are many other minerals besides iron with which oxygen unites to form oxides but as the results are similar we need not dwell upon them now and may go on to consider some of nature's other labourers one of the most active of these even chemically considered is water for though we call many substances insoluble gold and platinum are probably the only two which are actually unaffected even by pure cold water one sometimes hears people say that china and glass grow thin by repeated washing and though their senses must be remarkably keen if they are able to detect the change there is no doubt the proverbial grain of truth in what they say for if water be kept boiling in a glass vessel for any length of time it does certainly dissolve some of the glass while powdered glass at once gives a perceptible flavour even to cold water 
and certain kinds of chinese porcelain have been proved to be more or less soluble but we are speaking of pure water whereas from the very nature of the case it is impossible that there should be any such thing as perfectly pure water either in the air or on the earth it is almost pure indeed when drawn up by the sun from the ocean but the moment it falls to the earth again it begins to gather up various impurities according to the nature of the soil over which it passes and even before it touches the ground during its passage through the air it gathers up not only dust but gases of which the most important to us just now is carbonic acid or carbon dioxide as it is called by modern chemists the quantity of carbonic acid in the air is relatively small but there are from twenty to a hundred times as much in the soil it is poured forth in large quantities from cracks in the earth in volcanic districts and is almost universal at great depths so that from one source and another all rain spring and river water is more or less impregnated with it and its solvent powers are thereby much increased Footnote. ordinary springs and rivers contain less than one per cent but water from the saratoga springs contains two hundred and thirty one cubic inches to the gallon End of footnote. iron oxide and various other oxides which are called insoluble because they may be kept a long time in pure water without any perceptible alteration are readily dissolved by water containing carbonic acid but the gas is also quite capable of working on its own account without the assistance of oxygen it is the especial enemy of all rocks containing felspar as this mineral is composed partly of potash or soda together with lime and magnesia and with all these carbonic acid readily unites to form carbonates which are then easily dissolved and washed away by the rain of the rocks containing felspar the one with which we are perhaps most familiar is granite which consists of the three minerals felspar mica and quartz crystallized together in very varying proportions and in crystals of very various sizes quartz is nearly pure silica it is so hard as to scratch glass is but little affected by heat or cold or by the gases of the atmosphere and absorbs so little moisture that even frost cannot greatly injure it footnote flint is impure silica End of footnote. hence a granite which contains a large proportion of quartz is one of the most durable rocks there is it is the felspar which admits the enemy and when its potash soda lime or magnesia have been converted into soluble carbonates and washed away the silicate of alumina which is all that remains is reduced to powder and the grains of quartz and mica having lost the cement which united them fall apart and form silicious sand some granites contain so little quartz and mica that they are called felspar rock and these are very liable to decay since besides being attacked by the carbonic acid they are also so absorbent of water that the winter frosts make great havoc with them but it is the various limestones which suffer most from carbonic acid especially in towns where the air contains a far larger proportion of the gas than it does in the country all limestone chalk and marble properly so called consist mainly of carbonate of lime 
footnote a compound of lime and carbonic acid end footnote which is insoluble in pure water but when it comes in contact with carbonic acid each atom of the carbonate will take up a second atom of carbonic acid and having done this will melt as easily as sugar or salt this we may readily prove by getting from the chemist some lime water water in which lime is dissolved we should not know from its appearance that there was anything in it but on our blowing into it through a tube it at once becomes milky because the carbonic acid of our breath has united itself to the lime and made it into the single carbonate of lime which being insoluble cannot be hidden in the water if however we go on blowing the water will become transparent again for the lime will take up more carbonic acid and the double carbonate will be formed and melt away making the water hard most spring and river water contains some of this dissolved double carbonate when boiled half the carbonic acid is driven off and the single insoluble carbonate is deposited in kettles or boilers forming the crust which we call fur boiled water is flat however from the loss of the dissolved gases and it may be as effectually softened in another way the canterbury water being derived from the chalk naturally contains a great deal of the dissolved bicarbonate or double carbonate and though very clear is very hard it is softened by the addition of lime calcium oxide each atom of which takes away one atom of carbonic acid from the dissolved bicarbonate thus converting both the latter and itself into the insoluble single carbonate which makes the water milky at first but gradually sinks to the bottom and leaves it quite clear but enough has been said to show the strong attraction existing between lime and carbonic acid and there is no difficulty in understanding how it is that the portland stone of which st paul's cathedral was built not two hundred years ago is already beginning to moulder and how tombstones of italian marble lose their polish in a year or two and in the course of sixteen years are often so roughened that the grains of carbonate of lime may be rubbed off with the finger from these examples we may also form some idea of the way in which carbonic acid works away at the rocks but on this head there will be more to say hereafter End of chapter 2